John Jones either has the worst friend in human history <laughs> or he's dumb. That's what I want, but that's never ever going to happen. Don't trust Dana. DTD. Hashtag DTD. If you want to embarrass yourself, you go right ahead. I don't care. Nurmagomedov makes you hate living. I don't think he was ever in danger in any fight he's been in in the UFC. And outside of that, I don't know shit. I don't have a damn clue. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! Alright, what's going on guys? Joaquin Rivera here with Sam Easter on April 12th. We have a big fight card coming up tomorrow night. Dustin Poirier versus Max Holloway and also Israel Adesanya is fighting Kelvin Gastelum, both for interim title belts. We'll get to those. We have some other stuff to discuss as well. First of all, Sam, how you doing, man? I'm pretty good. How's it going? I'm excited. Uh, obviously, we just came off of a month where there was big fights going on every weekend, and it feels like it's almost been a little crazy now because we've had a little time before this one, but it's almost like you need it because these are two pretty big fights. Yeah, and every main event besides the pay-per-view at the beginning of the month ended in a, in a straight KO. We've been spoiled. That's true. So, well, I mean, when you look at these, though, you have to assume that they're going to be exciting. I'm not worried about any of that, but you're right. It almost feels like you're almost ready for a letdown yeah. to come up after you get that much good stuff all right in yeah. a row like that. It also couldn't happen at a better time with uh, the whole ESPN Plus deal Absolutely. going on. Which it seems like has been an overwhelming success, especially if you ask the UFC, but of course they're not going to tell you anything different. But in my opinion, I'm happy with what ESPN Plus has done so far. Uh, I'm still a little curious, I guess, when it comes to whether you can watch ESPN Plus cards out of I guess anywhere out there other than on if an app. you don't app. have Wi-Fi, yeah. Pretty, I mean, it's not really like you can go the to the best. bar and watch like you could with the Fox cards and everything Correct. else. So that's a little peculiar. But I guess in a general sense, what I do love is when, especially when it's on Big ESPN, which they're getting a, a decent amount of cards on Big ESPN mm -hmm. so far and in the future going forward. You know, if if it's on ESPN or at the very least, even the ESPN Plus cards, if they're not on television. They're showing the highlights immediately afterwards. They're discussing yep. the fights immediately afterwards. Whereas before they had any of that ability, you know, after these fight cards, they would just kind of say that something happened and they wouldn't show you any footage and it would move on. And now we're getting full highlights. We're getting, you know, they're bringing on, you know, we get Ariel and yep. we get Chael, Chael. And, and we get, you know, actual guys that we, it's not like we're listening to Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, we did know, for that first card, but right. I think they fixed and that. And he was quickly. there, but it wasn't like he was really breaking anything down after the fact. Yes, beforehand, he made a couple weird claims discussing things, but it's not like we're going to the ESPN booth uh, in Bristol and having, you know, the regular guys at the desk trying to break down what they saw because they have no idea what they saw. So I, I like the way they're doing it. I love that it's on ESPN. I love that even if, if it's just a – I mean, you go into any bar, ESPN is on. Yep. So if one of the main cards is on ESPN, it's just going to be on in a regular spot, and I just think that's good for the sport. Yeah, definitely. It's so, the best thing for the sport. So I'm happy where ESPN. that's going. That's the way this year started, and I think for the most part this year's gone pretty well. Yeah, I think it's been great so far. But that first card that was on ESPN, mm -hmm. TJ Dillashaw versus Henry Cejudo. Yep. I made a lot of ridiculous claims in this very room <laughs> talking to you about how that fight was going to go down. I said there was no way in hell I saw how Henry Cejudo could find a way to defeat TJ Dillashaw based on everything that I believe that TJ Dillashaw is capable of as far as his approach and generally his style of fighting. Henry Cejudo ran across... <laughs> the octagon and for Put all intents and purposes tko tj dillashaw yeah. in within 30 seconds it's been a whirlwind for tj dillashaw since 
that day. He he came out and was making all of these claims about how, you know, he doesn't think he was actually was, lost. Yeah. The stoppage was too early. He thought the referee was uh, unaware of what the actual rulings should be. He was very frustrated. He's got much bigger things in front of him now. A two-year suspension has officially been handed down as T.J. Dillashaw. Originally, he said USADA found adverse findings in his uh, system. Now we know it was EPO mm-hmm. that was legitimately in there. You have to inject EPO. Yep. There's no there's no accidental uh, cream that was put on. There's no tainted supplement. Nope. This seems like very... Has to be entered through an injection. Very straightforward. T.J. Dillashaw apparently cheated. Yeah. And we don't know how long Not apparently. He did. He did. So what do we make of this? I, I'm not sure where to, even, where to even go. I had very straightforward thoughts about where I thought T.J. was going and what he could do. We were having discussions about whether he was going to go up to 145 and fight Max Holloway. Yeah. I mean, it, the world was right there for T.J. Dillashaw. It completely just flips his legacy over on its face. I mean... Is it possible for him to get any good standing back after this, or is it all kind of he's forever tainted? Well, I think everyone deserves a second chance, definitely. But you got to one prove that you're clean. That's what he's got to do before he can ever think about coming back. And he's got two years to figure that out. And I think they also got to go back and test previous samples because you know they hold those samples right. for a couple of years. Yeah. And I think you got to do it, like, like especially the Cody fights. You know, he definitely took some time off of Cody's career with those fights. And I if he's cheating during those fair. fights, you gotta you gotta do the right thing and go back and test them. And if they test positive for EPO, you gotta overturn them into no contest. Yeah, I mean, it appears that that would be the the legwork that needs to be done. Uh, and I and I'm sure now again because I believe they went back and tested before the yeah, fight, December 28th. So the test they they tested for, and, and they it both also came, came up positive with for EPO. EPO. So at this point in time, yeah, it looks like you do have to go back and and. See, you know, I mean, if they're, <laughs> if you can really go back that far and find him, um, you know, TJ's in, in, a, in a world of hurt. But yeah, definitely. it seemed like right away it was a little sketchy at first, but as soon as it came out, he decided to give up. He relinquished his belt. It wasn't stripped from him. He relinquished yeah. it, which to me immediately meant guilt. Yeah. It meant like he Damage knew. Damage control. I did this, so before I get stripped, look, I'm just going to, and he put it as, you know, I'm going to work with my team and try to figure out what's happening here. Or basically talk to his team and say, I got caught, now what? Yeah, that's basically probably what he did. <laughs> like, I can't think of any way around it. I mean, it's EPO. Ugh. You have to take it through an injection. So what do you make of some of the comments made by Sam Calavita and the rest of TJ's team where they basically said that he kind of succumbed to the pressure of, of being an elite fighter, an elite athlete, with you know the expectations that were there for him and, and everything else? I mean, do you, do you buy into any of that or... Is there something else here for what What do you think TJ was, was thinking or doing in this situation? I think he was just straight up cheating, flat out. I don't think there was any succumbing to any sort of pressure. But, I mean, ugh, it sucks because you have to question all his biggest wins. You like look, you look at the first Head and Burrell fight when he fought him yep. on like two weeks' notice. You have to look at that. Every opportunity I get, I tell people that's my favorite fight ever. Yeah. Now so I have to be- go back believer and in like underdogs and upsets. And Absolutely, because Henan Burrell was Henan Burrell when that was going on. He hadn't lost in ten plus years at yeah, that point. He was like thirty three and one. Yeah, ridiculous streak he was on. And and T J Dillashaw was a short notice addition. Yeah, to that I think fight it was on like two weeks or ten days or something like that. So everything about that was again what made me love T J Dillashaw. That was the beginning of it, really. Yeah, and with EPO, it increase it increases your red your red uh, blood cell count, so it 
makes you more durable, makes you uh, recover quicker. And TJ's always been known as a durable guy. So now it's like, was that durability or was that EPO? And those questions, it's it feels like are impossible to answer at this point. And yeah. because of that, that stink stays on you. Um, it's unfortunate, but this is what makes it so tough to be a fan of a specific fighter. I, I find yeah. I made this joke to you earlier in the year. I think it was because TJ lost. And I remember saying to you guys, every time I start to back a fighter really hard and get really excited about someone, they lose or they yeah. fall or something happens. And I just get so frustrated. Like I, I can't. I guess go over the top being a fan. I want to. I want to get excited. It's what you know. It's probably what initially gets you into the sport. Is you become a fan maybe of someone specific you saw, and you're just like, man, that was amazing. And then it leads you to other things. You see more fights. You see more fighters. Um, you know, you become accustomed to a lot more. But initially, I think you know it probably certain fighters help bring you in, and and that was a lot of it for me. And it's it's devastating to find out these things. It's like the, the person I've been backing, the person I've been supporting, this person's been cheating. It's like everything I've seen isn't right. That it makes you question a lot more. Does yeah. it make you question further with USADA? I mean, the, this is something I was discussing with um, other friends of mine as well. I mean, the, is it, I'm assuming it's more expensive to do the blood testing as well as opposed it to It might be more expensive, testing. but that's what they're there for. Exactly. That's what they're fucking there for. Exactly. That's the point. And this somebody is, at USADA doesn't get that. If you're going to go all in with USADA, go all in, right? Yeah. There should be Especially no, now. oh, we only test for this sometimes and then other times. I think every, especially every championship fight, you have the test for those kind of things. There and when was no the last time? not to do that. When was the last time TJ was in a non-championship fight? UFC uh, 200 when he fought John Lineker at uh, 207. Okay, there you go. That yeah. was years ago. Yeah. So Otherwise, 20, TJ's in big time fights. So uh, you would imagine that in every of those situations, he should be getting the full on test. And I think Nowitzki even came out and said he was like the fifth most tested athlete by USADA. Yeah. Yet this didn't come up till now. A, what does that tell us well, about USADA? One of my friends had a good theory about this. He was saying that uh, maybe cutting the 10 extra pounds. To 25? Yeah. Uh, took him off his dosing strategy and maybe he did, was doing the same and amount. And that's how it came and up. he might have been doing less than what he should have been doing because he's cutting 10 extra pounds and maybe that led to an adverse finding. Now, what do you make of, I mean, maybe, you know, they're, they're doing their damage control, obviously, but Dwayne Ludwig and Sam Calavita basically saying that they had no idea. Well, of course they're going to stand by him. Sure. Like, but but the they same, both said, they both said this is cheating. Would that not no be way standing by him, though, if... If you're saying, like, we knew, because it, it, more, I guess that's incriminating themselves. But also, why would you want to then trust Sam Calavita if, if he can't? Do you believe that someone doing his job, trying to help TJ in that way, wouldn't notice or wouldn't be aware of someone well, doing Well, he's been only things? working with Calavita for like a year and a half. What if he's been doing it before and Calavita hasn't? And he just assumes his levels TJ are always like this. Uh, I guess the question would primarily focus around Dwayne. Dwayne, yeah. Yeah. Does it make you question anything about Dwayne at this point? Or is it not worthy of diving into at that point? It's just, I mean, this is TJ. He's the fighter. He's the one that did it. Just from, like, interviews I've listened to of Dwayne and the way he presents himself, like, he's all about being a martial artist. Yeah. And being that honorable kind of guy. Right. So I think if he knew... It feels I don't like it'd be impossible would... for him to work this closely with, like he calls him, his ninja. Yeah. This is his best prospect or so to speak this is his pupil thank you this is successful pupil absolutely and you can tell he's how proud he is of tj's accomplishments 
But this all becomes that much more frustrating if you find out he's been cheating the whole time. Yeah, it murks the water. It changes everything. And it really makes me question USADA and how intense. I mean, I was already a little confused and upset when you have the whole John Jones situation mm. and Nowitzki and then that. immediately, yeah, the picograms. Well, you know, this proves that, yeah, it's in his system, but it wasn't enough for it to help him. Why is it there in the first place? What are we even talking about? And, you know, it seemed like, again, Nowitzki doesn't work for USADA. But it, it, there was confusion from a lot of people who don't, you know, you get Nowitzki continually coming out and making explanations for everything. Yeah. Um, and people who don't know exactly the lines of where people are and who works for who and how long he worked for another company that worked side by side with USADA, but not necessarily working with and for USADA. Now he works for the UFC. So, like, who is he really trying to help and support? So, like, would you obviously don't want John Jones to fail. So it, when they're discussing this, you want to make sure that you're making people believe what you want them to believe, or is it actual truth? It just, this, like you said, it muddies the waters. And these more recent situations kind of confuse things. You feel like you understand, you're happy that USADA's around because they're supposed to be coming in and cleaning up the sport. You're hoping that guys aren't finding ways around, but... Yeah, well, this shows that every, they are. They are trying to clean up the sport. They're, they're trying, but it also proves that they weren't doing enough Yeah, when definitely. they could have been doing more. Well, if they're only testing for EPO out of, like, one out of every 25 tests, it's like, what is... Does it not make sense that something like EPO would be something that a fighter would use? Yeah, a thousand percent sounds like something a fighter would use. So it sounds kind of confusing that it wouldn't be something you would always try to be... I don't know, it's just... Yeah, that... That part confuses me. It's just frustrating, I guess. It's disappointing. I'm disappointed in TJ. So for $4 billion. How do you not have the Absolutely. money to test the money's for EPO? There. <laughs> there's no reason. There's no excuse that makes sense or that is fair to, uh, to, to justify why you wouldn't, if you're putting this much effort into cleaning up the sport, in every uh, opportunity you have, make sure yeah, don't that everything's pinch. clean. Yeah, exactly. There's no point in going, well, let's go back after the fact. And then you already have whatever happened, happened. Yeah. It's the same way. Like, and the testing's getting better, too. That, like, Absolutely. Uh, there's new methods to discover adverse Because you can't body, take that. away that visual, right, of someone winning something. It happens in all these sports, like in the Tour de France, especially when we're talking about EPO. Mm-hmm. You have guys that win. They get their moment. They got what they wanted. Right. They get they got that celebration. They got that moment of of defeating their competitors, and they got that moment where everyone said they were the greatest. Yeah, they come back after the fact, and their their legacy is right. tarnished. But they got what they wanted in that moment, and that needs to be figured out before that moment happens. Yeah, a thousand percent. Otherwise, that moment is just it's ta- like it's just it, we all know what happened already. You took that moment away from the people who should have won yeah. in those situations. It's, it's like so the, going the, back and making this a no contest. As much as I hate Cody Garbrandt, I'm sorry, I don't like to use the word hate, <laughs> but I can't stand that dude. Everything about him is just frustrating. Now, but I understand at the same time his frustration right now when he's been KO'd three times, two of them from TJ Dillashaw. Yeah, and that first one when he had he had TJ, he in had a him rocked. World, he almost finished him. How much did that EPO help? Him recover in that yeah. one minute? Yeah. Right? Absolutely. You have to question everything. So unless you go back and test that sample and it comes back clean, I'm always going to be like, that EPO helped him. So what do you think of Cody's recent Twitter comments? Expected, obviously? Yeah, for sure expected, especially in this day and age. And at least he he did throw in there that, like, look, it wasn't – he's like, I'm not just yeah. saying – He's like, I fought like a dumbass. Steroids are the reason I've lost these fights, but I also fought dumb. So at least he yeah. said that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, as much as I don't like Cody, he's got – now is his moment to yeah. be able to speak up. 
And I love that he's like, I'll see you in 2021, TJ. Yeah, he's going to wait the two years and try to get that back. I mean, look. I mean, hey, now that we know that he's on EPO, I'd want to see that a third time. Let's see it with an even playing field. Yeah, I don't know what to even make of what TJ will be in two years and what to think of all of this and whether he – TJ's in his 30s. He's, yeah, he's 33 right now. I mean, as old – I mean, as young as he looks – he is, you know, I mean, we're talking about being a 35-year-old when he comes yeah, back. Yeah, he's in his prime right now. This is it. Yeah. And now he's missing two years of his prime because of dumb decisions that he made <clears throat> that put it's, his whole legacy in question. I, yeah, at this point, I'm not sure whether we can even question it. I think you have to just assume that until we get it proven otherwise, you have to assume he's been cheating mm-hmm. for the majority, if not a very large chunk of his career. And, you know, again, we have no way of knowing at this point in time when that maybe started. So because of that cloud, you just kind of have to put that over him. The same thing happens with John Jones and mm-hmm. everyone else that's in these scenarios. Anderson Silva. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you just don't know. And that allows anyone that doubts it to make up whatever nonsense they want. And you can't really say that it's not true because they let that cloud be there. Right. And... <laughs> I mean that's on the fighters, so I can't say it's you know it's not fair this or that. If you're a fan of those guys, because it is what it is, you put yourself in that situation, tainted supplement here or that. But EPO TJ, there is no walking around that. You There's had no to inject that into yourself. Yeah, you can't get that on accident. And I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't release some sort of statement until like the two year suspension was up. Because you're right. You mentioned that before we even got started. TJ hasn't spoken yet. Yeah, he has not spoken. Now, like we said, we Which heard from Dwayne. We really heard from Sam Calavita, but. We want to hear from TJ. Yeah, definitely. I want to know what he has to say. And again, you know, like in a lot he- of these moments as well, you can look at other sports and you look at other Hall of Fame type players in these other sports that have been accused of performance enhancing drugs. And you have the ones that vehemently deny something. And that look, this is not true. You know, whatever, something's wrong here. This, this isn't what happened. And that denial pushes people even further away because it's like, look, the evidence is mounting against right. you. And you're sitting here trying to claim. But even like, denial we're stupid. silence sometimes. Sure. Know? But it's, no, I'm not saying silence is the answer. Right. But I'm saying right. he needs to get, like, the way we talked about him getting out in front of this and relinquishing his belt, at that same point, you if you know and you did this, just say it. Yeah. I think if you were just come out and like, look, and even if it was, look, if you look at the pressure of where I was at and wanting to provide for my family and be who I whatever it is, I believe you. If that's true and you come out sincere, there's a better way that people will kind of come around for you and feel for you and realize that you're a human being and you make mistakes. Uh, and, and I think that ability for him to potentially come back after the fact would be there. But if you deny it or you say nothing, you're just burying yourself further and no one's going to care what you have to say when you say it a year from now. Yep, exactly. So we'll have to wait and see what TJ does if he comes out and says anything. And if he does, I'll be paying close attention to see you know what he has to say. But let's get to some positive things. There are two phenomenal fights to happen this weekend. I want to talk about the main and the co-main, and then we'll kind of piece through and talk about a few other fights as okay. well. But this is where the primary focus is going to be, so let's not waste any more time. When we talk about interim belts, there's generally – Obviously, a Denial. bad taste in your mouth kind of left from interim belts. I don't like them. Most people don't like them. But every once in a while, there's kind of a time and a place for them. When we talk about the middleweight interim belt, we're talking about a guy in Robert Whitaker who, again, 
double hernia unable to perform and he's going to be out for at least a period of time you have guys he just, got, he just got cleared for training okay so his timeline is at least accurate then because yep. he was trying to say that he wanted to come back this summer yeah he could so come, he could come back for international fight week if someone gets out of this without an injury that's fantastic news so especially because i mean man because I'm such we're a big who, fan of him, too. I was just about to say it. We're guys and who love watching yeah. Bobby Knox fight. Yeah, this guy's he's incredible. Man. He's the man. He puts on phenomenal performances. He went 10 rounds with Yoel Romero. I mean, that in itself right there is unbelievable. So yeah. because of that, you know, he's he's a fan favorite, but the guy gets hurt a lot. He's an absolute fan favorite. That injury issue, though, allows the opportunity for the interim belt, what have you. I don't care whether someone has them or not. I know people do get ex- upset about them a lot. I don't mind too much. I focus more on the match. I don't like them when they're just blatantly unnecessary. Sure. Like, like Colby versus RDA. Sure. I, I hear, trust me, especially because yeah. Colby got a belt. But as well, I mean, at least it it will eventually serve its purpose, right? Colby will Correct. now eventually fight Come for, on, will fight for the actual belt, the undisputed uh, champion of the world, as you said, Kamaru Usman. So at least the point of them is still hopefully going the right way. Now Tony Ferguson is the one where he was stripped, and then you know more has come. There's a lot of outside stuff going on with Tony right now because it seems like if it wasn't for that stuff, Tony would be in one of these fights. Now, yes, he did say no to one of them given he's already had the interim belt, but maybe things are different if – a lot of the outside stuff isn't going around with Tony. We won't focus on that because I don't, to be honest, I don't know enough about what is actually going down and how okay he might be. But at the, for the time being, Tony is out of the conversation. So because of that, when we talk about the lightweights, we got Max Holloway and Dustin Poirier. Max Holloway coming up in weight after his last uh, phenomenal performance against Brian Ortega, defending his belt yet again. He now, after Dana was basically hinting, you know, he wanted to see Max go up. Well, here we are. Max hasn't been stripped from 45. If he wins this, we don't know what's going to happen, whether he would defend 45. He said 45. he wants to defend both. There you go. I mean, look, I believe Max as well, that he's capable of it. He's um, a 1,000% capable of it. I love this guy. I don't want to get too much on Max's train because then he'll probably fall apart like everyone else I enjoy. <laughs> so <laughs> I won't, you know. But it's at the same time, I don't know anyone who doesn't like Max Holloway. I don't either. But let's focus on that one first. Now, if Tony were in this conversation – He's been a big Dustin Poirier fan for the last little while now. Um, I have nothing against Dustin Poirier. I think he's proven that he's a really good dude. Um, I, I enjoy his fighting style as well. He has exciting fights. He's had some amazing fights. The way he's kind of put it recently as well is that he's not the guy coming out here making getting this moment based on something he said or yep. being obnoxious. He's, letting the he's work done it the based on performance. Correct. So you look at what Dustin Poirier has done recently, beating Anthony Pettis, um, beating Eddie Alvarez, beating Justin Gaethje, and finishing these men. All of them. All finishes. So you got to give Dustin Poirier his credit. This is a guy who was kind of coming up the ranks at 45 at one point, and that's where they met the first time. Yep. Max Holloway was a 20-year-old. His debut. Um, and he was, I mean, undefeated, but yes, it was his UFC debut, so he had yet to taste a loss, but he got it right away, and that might be part of why Max Holloway's so damn good now, mm-hmm. is facing a Dustin Poirier so early in his career, but that was a 20-year-old Max Holloway. Mm-hmm. Now... Dustin Poirier was a little bit older than him, but he was wildly more experienced when it came to professional fighting. And, you know, Max Holloway came out in that fight exciting, um, you know, throwing a lot of crazy stuff early on, but he did get finished by an armbar by uh, Dustin Poirier in that fight. He ended up 
you know, losing to Conor McGregor and moving up to 55, where we've then seen probably even more polished and efficient Dustin Poirier. So when you look at where he's at right now, just what are your thoughts on Dustin Poirier uh, and what to expect from him in this fight? I think he's at the top of his game right now. I think he's in the spot mentally where he can't be broken, no matter... You not know, by words, at least. Not by the words, or even in like the the, the cage. Because when you're in a chaos with Gaethje, you know <laughs> that's that's gonna break. I mean, how many fights has Gaethje had? He's had 23 fights. He hasn't been able to break two people, and one of them is Dustin Poirier. So I think that speaks leaps and bounds, especially when uh, with what Justin just did to Edson Barboza, and what know? Dustin Poirier is willing to do: yeah. stand in front of someone and bang if that's what they yeah, want to do. If that's what they got to do. And he's got a super underrated grappling game as well. He does. And we haven't really seen too much of Max's grappling game in a while. So I'm curious if Dustin's going to be the first to shoot for a takedown. But uh, I think these two are just going to meet in the middle, and it's going to be a game of who counters the counters better. Yeah, I feel like that if anything's going to happen as far as grappling is concerned or anything on the ground, maybe it would be later into the fight. But I do feel like early on they're both going to be more than willing. To yeah. stand and trade because I think Max knows that threat is there, but Max, but like, oh man, because when you talk about Dustin being in his prime, Max is Max is just on a whole other level right now. Now let's talk about Max. Max Holloway, a guy who this is his first time now moving up to lightweight. Although there was a previous opportunity, but he was taken out of that fight. Yeah. Now, granted, it was on you know a week's notice or ten days notice, I believe, when he got that fight that was scheduled with Habib at UFC two twenty three. A while back, excuse me. And, you know, since that time, that was an interesting year for Max where, you know, he had yep. the injury issues and he was pulled from a couple fights. And then, you know, he had the fight where he was scheduled yep. again he with Ortega. His, yep, he broke his foot before the Edgar fight. Right. And so there was a question of whether Max was going to be the same guy. <sighs> he proved against Brian yeah. Ortega. He's very much the there. same guy. Now, granted, Brian Ortega doesn't have the striking game of Dustin Poirier, yeah. but that man is tough. And in the third and fourth rounds, when he was getting absolutely pieced up, he was still throwing whatever he could he at He cracked Max. him with that spinning elbow in the he middle did. of the third, and that rocked Max for sure. So Max is a guy who's been tested time in and time out against the, the best in the very same way, I think, that we can say about Poirier, but even to a further extent, uh, because he's done them in title fights. Yeah. He, he's, def he's, he's defeated uh, a, a phenomenal champion in Jose Aldo and did it twice. Yep. And he did it basically the exact same way both times. Uh, Aldo had his moments, and then Max went off and did his thing. And he puts on that furious pace. So we've seen Max Holloway improve leaps and bounds since he fought Dustin Poirier. We've seen Dustin Poirier improve in a lot of different ways. Is there one of these guys you can say maybe has improved more than the other in that time frame? I mean, I want to go with Max because he was so young, and I just think there's been so much growth in that time period, whereas Poirier was further along. Now, granted, I do think since going up to 55, he has been a much more dangerous fighter. Yeah. But when I look at the overall growth since their last fight, I got to give it to Max in who's grown more since then, in my opinion. I would give it, I would give it to Max, too. Because uh, Dust, Dustin, he has had his up and downs, but he's had more, way more ups the last two years. Certainly. He did get knocked out by Michael Johnson. He did get knocked out by Michael Johnson real quick, but Michael Johnson can do that to anybody on a good night he when he's focused. And it's tough to say with Michael Johnson because he's also been defeated by so many guys that shouldn't have defeated him mm -hmm. or 
maybe not necessarily shouldn't have. He's been in a lot of tough fights. Um, but, you know, you look at the Darren Elkins fight. You look at, you know, a few of those ones with him. Uh, Justin Gaethje took, a, you know, probably a couple years off of his life. Yeah, yeah, Khabib had his way, had his way with him too. But even Johnson playing a I good mean, one Habib too. I mean, Khabib has his way with everybody. It's true. It's true. But but uh, oh man, they both grown so much in such crazy ways. But right now, I just think Max is at the top of his shit. Watching Max is like an, is like watching an artist. It's like watching Picasso back in the day. You know, he's just gonna go out there, paint his picture, and it's gonna be fucking beautiful violence. Would you look at the some of the combinations against Ortega? I, I believe it was uh, who was it on the commentary team? Someone said that it looked like he was throwing ten piece combos. Oh, it was Paul Felder. Yeah, Paul Felder. Yeah, Thank Because he was just he, he was moving forward and he just never stopped throwing punches. He was, right and he left, was working just the head. He was going. working the body. It was just so fluid. Now that and I to think me, I think Dustin has the I think Dustin kind of head has been head hunting a little more. And he throws more power shots. He does. He throws a lot more hooks, and I think Max does better with straight punches. So I think that's gonna. So those are obviously gonna get there first. Yeah, those are gonna get those first. But they're both so good off the counter. But I think Max is better at countering the counter. So if you had to go in and and look at whose style would be more effective against the other, are we leaning at Max? I'm leaning at Max uh, for the pace and the volume, and I think he's cutting ten less pounds too. So I think he's gonna have more pop as well. This will be the first time we do officially see Max Holloway yeah. at 55, whereas Poirier's been there. Mm-hmm. But Poirier even admitted in, a, I, believe, I believe, one of the embedded, or maybe it was um, one of the other um, films leading up to this, or clips leading up to this, saying he, Max might even be at just as big. Yeah. If yeah. not bigger. I saw a side-by-side of Max weighing in at 145 and him weighing in today at 155. It did look too... Not too, too drastically different. different. Yeah. No, just the stomach has a little bit more filled in. He's not cutting as much weight. So I have to say when I look at – yeah, size-wise, yeah, they're going to be – it's not going to be anything drastically different. Like this is I think Dustin has a bigger upper torso. He's yeah. Got bigger shoulders, bigger arms. But the first time they fought, it was an absolute noticeable difference because Max Holloway yeah. was about as thin as he could get. Yeah. And poor – I mean, look. Like Max still make one forty five. We know that Dustin he couldn't make one forty five. Right now, now. agree. Yeah, he's filled. He's filled into that one fifty five frame. I agree, especially since the Michael Johnson fight. I don't think if you look at Poirier in the Michael Johnson fight and Poirier in like the Gaethje fight, yeah, it's a noticeable, noticeable size difference. All right. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that's a great point. I agree. I mean, we've obviously, like you said, we've seen Max Holloway. He's yeah. coming up right now, so there's no reason to imagine yeah. he can't make the 45 cut anymore, despite what Dana White said after that last fight, because his performance was so good in that fight. You can't say that the weight cut it, uh, you know, bothered him at all there. Uh, he was phenomenal from start to finish in that fight. Again, Ortega had his moments, but Holloway really pieced him up. So we, we look at size. We look at style. Um, we expect them both to stand and trade for good chunks of this fight. Maybe there's par- parts where it goes to the ground. You mentioned Dustin Poirier being underrated yeah. on the ground. Max Holloway, we don't see trying to finish fights on right. the ground generally, I mean, you, you but at, he can handle himself. Right, yeah. You look at Dustin earlier in his career in the UFC, he was more more willing to take it to the ground and hurt sure. for those triangles, those arm bars. But do you think you just get thirsty for when you knock someone out or you get a good lick on someone? You're like, I just want to do that all the time. Um, I mean, maybe, probably. I mean, <laughs> I think there's gotta think be. How, how do you think how your felt when he knocked a dude out with like a jumping switch kick? He's like, oh, I could probably do this all the time, and he does it to BJ Penn. That's how it felt but, about uh, Nick Diaz. Yeah, yeah. 
But I mean, oh, man. as soon as he knocked out Robbie Lawler, he's like, I'm going to knock everyone out. Yeah, people can fall in love with that. I just think Dustin's Roy striking Nelson. has just gotten so much better that's caught up with his ground game. So I don't think he has really had the need to try and right. take somebody down. Or but let's say it does go there. Move to an adva- let's advantageous say, Let's say they're grappling up against the cage. And and Poirier decides to take Max Holloway down or attempt to. How does Max Holloway handle Dustin Poirier's takedown attempts? Do you think he's able to keep this fight standing if that's what he wants? I think he's definitely able to keep it standing. And like I said, we haven't really seen like Max with his back on the floor in a long time. No. In a long time. I no. can't remember the last time Max got taken down and somebody was just working And kept him guard. there. Yeah. And kept maybe him Poirier. There. Yeah, maybe Poirier. Maybe uh, Dennis Bermudez. But... Yeah. Again, this is early baby Max. Yes. Again, yeah. And we can almost say that's mini blessed out there. Pretty much. <laughs> that was a that was a different guy. So again, that's that's where I go. I mean, Max Holloway is so impressive in so many ways because again, he's so incredibly well rounded. We talk about how intense he is when it comes to the pace that he puts on. So a lot of these things make me, you know, lead to believe that Max Holloway. I mean, he's barely the favorite, but we should be at least expecting him to be the victor in this fight. Yeah. Are you I'm leaning ex- towards that? I'm expecting him to be the victor. I think late fourth, early fifth round, round Max will. We're getting a finish. We'll get the TKO. TKO. Yeah. No no straight KO. <laughs> no. Do you think, think Max has be, the power to even do that? I think he has the power, but I don't think it's going to happen. That's I, fair. So you think he gets pulled uh, He gets pulled off of him? I think it's going to be more of a volume. Uh, like the way he took down Aldo? Like yeah, like the way he took down Aldo, but uh, Poirier. I don't think Poirier is gonna fall. I think it's gonna be like an against the fence and Herb Dean or whoever's stepping in. I wouldn't be shocked if it's not as over the top as the Ortega fight, but if it's similar, where like maybe they look at it as an accumulation. Like man, he's taking a lot of damage. Yeah, and maybe at one point they they, they look at him and just go, man, all right, we're done here. But it depends. At the same time, yeah. Poirier is gonna do that much more than Ortega did on the feet. Where maybe it wouldn't like that was so obvious how one sided it was on the feet, despite the fact that I really think Ortega showed a lot right. of toughness because he's gotten accused, I think, by a lot of again MMA fans don't know what they're watching in more cases than not, but a lot of fans are saying that he has no striking whatsoever and that he's only a jujitsu guy. Wait, who? Brian Ortega. Oh. So I feel like Brian Ortega, even though he got so one-sidedly pieced up by Max Holloway, Brian, I still feel like he showed in that fight that there's a lot more there. Brian Ortega was the first first man to knock out Frankie Edgar. And he did that with his striking. Yes. But it's also, you look, I mean, but again, people are stupid. But I feel like he almost proved more in this fight than he did in that one. I, I look at the overwhelming size difference between Ortega and uh, Frankie Edgar. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, but I mean, I Frank Yeager was a lightweight champion. I understand that, but I look at Frank Yeager where he is now at this point in his career and where Ortega is, and it just it looked like he was two weight classes bigger Yeah, in yeah. that fight. Well, Frankie could fight 135 if he wanted to. Look, I don't want to take anything away from Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He could, when he fought at 55, he didn't cut weight, yeah, whereas exactly. Brian Ortega has got to be cutting a lot of weight to get to 55. Um, or 45, excuse me. Um, but... Uh, that should have been enough for people, right? You would assume knocking out Frankie Edgar would be enough, but I think a lot of people still feel like they're still the young striking too. Is, he's absolutely young. Yeah. Um. But uh, my point is, I guess I don't see it being as one-sided in that striking exchange. No, definitely. Obviously, not. when it comes to uh, Poirier, and Dustin's more willing to fire back in the fire than uh, Ortega, because Dustin's been there in the fire of those striking wars. If Poirier is to win this fight, do you think it is by 
you know, a f- not a flash KO, but like it, because of his power. Do you think the power would be the reason, or do you think the power of the submissions? Or do you think he could sub him? I, I think mean, he did. That's what he did the first time. Yeah, it's what he did the first time. Maybe that's in the back of Max's head, but I don't think it will. But Max kind of like his arm was just kind of out there when he was getting yeah. pieced up on the ground. Like like Max said, that's white, belt, that's white belt Max. Right. I mean, again, this is this, that was five plus years ago. Yeah. So I mean, they they've both grown. They've both changed. They both have a lot of the same type of offensive techniques in a lot of ways. But again, I just we'll see. What the difference is, but we're going with Max Holloway. I'm going with Max. Holloway. I'm also going with Max. A lot of it is just I just think that I'm not sure what exactly it will take unless it is someone just with that power or just getting a clean shot on Max. But I feel like because of his pace, I'm not sure who can really be in a stand-up war with Max Holloway yeah. and come out the victor. Because oh man, I don't. I hate looking ahead. But man, if Max right. if Max wins this uh, unification with him and and Khabib, that's the that's the fight that's going to determine who the number one pound for pound fighter on the on the planet is. And this and that's was, what I want to fucking see. And we were so close to getting that at UFC 223. Yep. Granted, I like more if Max can do it this way as opposed to of doing it that way, where he yeah. just kind of randomly stepped in for someone else. And was gonna. Oh, well, I mean, for Tony. We'll Ferguson. see what he looks like at 155 before right. actually coming up. And to, yeah, he'll get yeah. A, a fight against a legitimate contender, a right there, rightful number one contenders match uh, with Dustin Poirier. And I think that would be the better way to set it up. Plus, we'd get the full promotion leading into, um, you know, the unification. Yeah. At that point, as opposed to only you know a week. Well, notice. I think a, a Max and and Habib promotion. So they get a full camp be, for each other is what yeah, I mean as well. Yeah. But I think like their promotion is going to be a lot more civil. It's not going to be like some Connor Twitter shit. You know? No, it definitely wouldn't be like that. But at the same time, I got to give Max excited. a little more credit. Recently, when I listened to some of his um, interviews, he's not shit-talking anyone, certainly. He's not coming out and, and talking down about his opponent. But yeah, he, he has an, an confidence, arrogance, whatever you want to call it, about himself where he's like, look, I'm the best. Yeah. So I don't care what this guy the is. Best is I'm gonna do what I gotta do. Yeah, the yeah. best is blessed, baby. And that's what so, I think right now. I think he's top three pound for pound. It's him, uh, Khabib, and DC. It's honestly hard to argue when you look at what all of and those Amanda guys have accomplished. Amanda Nunes as well. Don't forget about the champ champ uh for the women's division. Um so look, I, I can't wait for this tomorrow. This is phenomenal. They both made weight. We're getting this fight, it's happening. Um, and we both have Max Holloway in this fight, so we'll yeah. see how it all goes down. I have it in a similar way. I have to say, I don't see a, a straight up knockout. I don't see Max I see a submitting. I can't see Poirier. this. I don't see this going to decision. If it, even if it goes the other way, I don't. I see this ending in a finish. And if it is, it's probably going to be a ridiculous war. Yeah. And who knows what those? We we see what Max does at the end of a five round fight. Yeah. He says, "Let's stand and trade. I don't care who was winning." I don't care if I was already winning this fight. Let's make this fun for everybody, and let's see if we can go out on our shields here together. And we and look if it's if they're both still standing in the fifth, we might get that. <sighs> yeah. So not to be. put too much pressure on this being this amazing fight, but it feels like it's going to be kind of hard with these two guys' styles for it to not be like that. Yeah, a thousand percent. It's going to be some violence. So that's your main event for UFC 236 in Atlanta tomorrow night. Hey, look, there's a co-main event. It's going to be another damn good fight. Another interim belt. This is for the middleweight belt. We mentioned that uh, Bobby Knox unable to perform in um, his home country for the second time. Double hernia the day of the fight. The day of the fight. 
so devastating news. So what happens that night? Kevin Gastelum doesn't end up fighting, and instead, shows Israel Adesanya <laughs> yeah, shows up with Henry Cejudo's belt, uh, claiming, well, yeah. in wrestling rules, I'm the champ now because the other guy didn't show up. Well, everyone basically laughed at him, yeah, this is um, and he basically put that belt away and stopped doing that because he yep. got trolled so much. Uh, even Adesanya, after defeating Anderson Silva that night in the main event, put said, that belt put down. that belt down. What are you doing, Kelvin? Now these guys get to fight. They immediately turn around and put this together because Israel in that fight that night against Anderson Silva never really put himself in too much danger, kind of had fun. It was almost like it was like a – That almost like felt that, like uh, it was choreographed to a certain extent, right? Because it's like both guys were – not. it obviously wasn't. Right. But, I mean, like it felt like it was a performance where like they were both putting on a show. It's like a kung fu movie. Right, as opposed to it being a real fight. So Adesanya wasn't injured. He was ready to go for, for something else. Now, he was promised – uh, a number one contenders match, essentially, if he were to win this that is fight. Basically, what this what this is. A number so one here contenders. we go. Yeah. So here's here that go. title fight: Kelvin Gastelum, Israel Adesanya. We have the prototypical striker um, versus a primary wrestler with great boxing. So it's not like yeah. Kelvin Gastelum can't uh, can't fast box. hands and he hits like a truck. He absolutely does. Ask uh, the former middleweight champion Michael Bisping. Yeah, now, yes. fair Michael Bisping was two weeks removed from even a before, very difficult fight. Even before Weidman uh, got him with the arm triangle, he he knocked Weidman clean. Kelvin Gastelum won the Ultimate Fighter uh, against Uriah Hall at one eighty five. At, at 185, where Uriah Hall was this flashy knockout artist, somewhat similar to what we're getting out of Israel Adesanya. Kelvin Gastelum won that in a split decision over Uriah Hall. Mm-hmm. I like Uriah Hall. He's a fun guy, especially at the time. Exciting. Israel Adesanya, the expectation is this guy is for real, that he is that real deal next big thing. Kelvin right. Gastelum calling him a hype train. What are your thoughts on Israel Adesanya? And whether he is that real deal. Well, the hype train is real. I'm 100% on it. <laughs> All aboard. All aboard, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are going to compare him and Uriah Hall, but where Israel is right now, getting into his sick, he's not getting like rushed, you know? And he's coming in the complete. If you ask Kelvin, he is. <laughs> and he's coming in the complete package. Like, Uriah had some had some difficulties, you know. The yeah. takedown defense wasn't there. Yeah. The ground game wasn't there. And we've seen a couple of those instances. Granted, he's only fought about four or five times in the uh, – yeah. five times now in the UFC. But, like, with all Izzy, in one you know year, the takedown defense is there. By the way, Izzy's fought five times in a calendar year's time yep. in the UFC already. Yep. Granted, coming from kickboxing, kickboxing where he fought Muay Thai where multiple he's gonna fight times a night. Six to eight weeks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I've watched this guy in glory yeah. fight twice First in one night. I ever watched him fight was in a glory. So, you know – He's now he he said he was going to take a break, but then he's like, "Look, you're going to give me a a title fight or an interim title fight. All right, let's do it. I'm going to turn around and get this done right away." Yeah, because those are you worried at all, all about that confidence that he has? Like, obviously, a lot of it is huge, and you have to have that mental game and be a very strong mental uh, capacity guy to to be in this position in the first place. Right. But are you worried at all about him overlooking Kelvin Gastelum, given you know the significant a, height and reach difference all. and everything else? I don't know. I, I don't think he's overlooking Kelvin at all. I think he like talks that talk. He's got a good. He's got a good talking game. He's got the but kick he, in but, his hair. Yeah, yeah, but when he's walking out, you know, he's dancing. He gets in the cage. He's doing cartwheel flips and everything. One he's, hand he's cartwheel loose. flips. He's loose. Sometimes when they get in those high st- high stake affairs, they kind of lock up, and you can tell when they're reading their names before the fight starts. He doesn't have that. And he doesn't have that, and that that's a big factor for me, and so that's why I think he's going to shine in this uh, 
in this event. Now, Kelvin's trying to claim, obviously it makes sense that he would say these things, that, you know, he doesn't deserve to get up here. I've gone through the fire a little bit more. You don't lose to Chris Weidman. You know, you maybe get this opportunity sooner, whereas Israel Adesanya's won five fights in a calendar year. Again, I can't overlook that. That's just incredible. You don't get that anymore, especially from guys at the top. These guys want to fight a couple of times, so as soon as they get up to the top, yeah. they, they want to save it yep. for only ranked, the best. They only want to fight guys above them. And Absolutely. They're not willing to fight guys below them. Or... And Izzy's ready to go. And Izzy's ready to go, yeah. So He wants somebody to come prove him wrong. Oh, here we go. I mean, when you look at this matchup, how do you see this going down? Not necessarily, I guess, you look at their two styles that they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Who appears to be more overwhelming for the other? Uh, I think Israel, just because of the height, the reach. Uh, now, Kelvin at middleweight is pretty much going to have a lot of guys yeah. with this, at least taller but, than him. So he's aware of that, right. at least. But in a fight for like a lot this, of his other guys. where with the reach deficiency and mm-hmm. the and the height advantage for Izzy, I just think Kelvin's going to have to play that boxer role, where he's going to have to try and get inside. Five nine versus six four. Yeah, and he's <laughs> got a he's got an eight and a half inch reach advantage, and his legs are five inches longer than Kelvin's. <laughs> So, so he can I mean, keep him out of that range if he wants. He can, but but is he's he's like a computer man. If he does that, he's gonna walk into a knee. He's gonna fucking walk into an elbow. He's gonna get tripped or. I just don't. Oh man, I just don't <laughs> know if I can see Kelvin get inside that range. But I don't know if Izzy has the power to knock Kelvin out because Kelvin could take a fucking shot. Well, Kelvin has the boxing to make this yeah, interesting. A thousand percent. But is that his best strategy, or is it utilizing his wrestling? I think it's utilizing his res- I think it's utilizing his wrestling. Like he's gonna have to try and time one of those kicks early, and take his ass down. And take his ass down. But it- <sighs> do you think he can, or that he will be able to? I think he can take him down. Do you think he can keep him there? No. No. That's no. gonna be the biggest issue then. I mean, if Izzy yeah. can continually get back to his feet, I just don't if, see how Kelvin can get in there. If Kelvin is gonna go for a takedown, I think Kelvin knows he's gotta he's gotta get him to the middle of the the. The, the cage. He yeah. can't have Izzy up against the cage because he can use that as leverage to get up quicker. And we're talking and about a guy who comes from chokes. Muay Thai and kickboxing who has right. no problem getting him in that clinch exactly. and messing him up with some knees. Exactly. Oh, or man. elbows. Yeah. <sighs> Just He's so dangerous everywhere and he loves to throw teeps, flying knees, tornado kicks, spinning back kicks. I mean, what, whatever he wants to do, he can. he's going to do it. So all of the things that appear to be obvious obstacles for Kelvin Gastelum, we both agree, are very likely scenarios as well in this fight. Yeah, yeah. One of my worries about Izzy is I think Izzy knows he's going to try and work the uh, – Izzy knows he wants to work the body of Kelvin. And when you work that – He called him soft when, earlier. Yeah. Basically when you said he had that, a soft body. When you work that body, you can expose yourself coming in. And Kelvin's got fast hands, underratedly fast hands. And he's got the power to – you know, turn off that light real quick. And Izzy's been knocked out before. It's not like he hasn't been knocked out. Right. And against so, someone with no threat of a takedown. Right. So to me, I think Izzy either runs away with this fight on points, or Kelvin's able to get get inside and land that no finish shot. Um, I think if Kelvin is going to win, he has to get a finish. I but don't not think Izzy Kelvin can win this fight on points. Izzy, uh, I think Izzy can knock him out for sure, especially if he just works the body a bunch. He can get, he can for sure get a body knockout. Leaning more towards decision though, in this but one? I'm leaning more towards a decision, yeah. And I think if it goes to a decision, it's going to be Izzy on points. I Is it probably know. just because it's just too ridiculous to assume that we can just get all of these awesome knockouts that we want? <laughs> that too, <laughs> it's yeah. too good to be true. Yeah, 
and I still got to save my excitement for the main event. Can't <laughs> Fair enough. I don't want to. I mean, I that's what we got with the the, the cyborg fight, right? I mean, like, yeah. Cyborg and Nunez happens in the co-main, and we're just going nuts. And then the main event, it was like I'm almost exhausted. Yeah. I don't know if I'm even ready for this yeah, next my arms one. Hurt. <laughs> yeah, from fist pumping. Yeah. Um, my voice was gone from just yelling. Si- uh, fuck Amanda so many times. Like Jesus. The Lioness. So, I mean, again, she has another fight coming up in a little bit against Holly Holmes, so we'll get to see her back in action yeah. as well. My, my official pick is going to be Izzy on points. Israel Adesanya. Yeah. I have him as well just because I find I, – look, I, I'm with you in Kevin that. Kevin might steal a round or two, but I think Izzy's going to win on points. I don't I, – I agree in the fact that I don't think he can keep him down. I think he can get him down, and I think that would be interesting if he tries to do that early. I'm really curious to see how long it takes – whether he, in his own game plan, about when he wants to take or attempt a takedown is what he goes with, or if he's forced into it because he's getting pieced up. And that's what I'm curious to see. The um, panic takedown? Yeah, basically it's like, like Derek Brunson, I have to now. Right into a knee? <laughs> that could, yeah, exactly. And that could be what gets him finished. Yeah, it's a possibility anytime Izzy fights. Absolutely. So I, I, I think that's, I don't think it would be as quick and as dramatic as yeah. that one was. Um, but I think it could be. I think he could set him up for that. So that's what I want to see. I want to see, does Kelvin walk across the cage and say, I'm going to try to take you down and implement my game plan right from the start? Or is his game plan to try to knock out Israel, Israel Adesanya, which I think would be a poor one. Yeah, it'd be swinging at air for a lot of that first round. Absolutely. Especially when he got energy, uh, is he at full energy? And he made claims as well, saying that he's not going to do any of the sideshow stuff that, uh, uh, that Anderson Silva was doing, not going to fall into a lot of that fair uh i you know i don't see him you know doing uh, obviously a lot of th- those kind of things but at the same time I-, I don't know how effective he's going to be in getting his game plan off um and i think that's just going to be the biggest obstacle for well, with him. the izzy and anderson i think izzy just had too much respect for anderson yeah he kept saying he wanted to finish him and then it felt like while you're watching the fight like he didn't want to finish him yeah yeah he's just like i respect you and with Kelvin, I don't think he's going to bring that level of respect. Oh, absolutely! Like, not. I think he respects Kelvin as a competitor and in a general sense, but like he doesn't look at Kelvin like he looked at Anderson. Absolutely not. Which and it's not justified for yeah. him to do so. Correct. So, I'm with you. I have the possibility. I I I, I actually believe this one is more likely. Uh, I don't know if that's fair to say. Uh, more likely to get a finish. Um, but I think that scenario can absolutely present itself. In if Kelvin, it, it all depends for me how long it takes Kelvin to attempt that takedown. And if he tries it early while he still has a ton of energy and he can keep Izzy down for the whole first round or something crazy like that, that can change how this fight goes. Mm-hmm. But if he if he tries to stand and trade early, it doesn't work. Then he goes for a takedown. He's either going to get himself in trouble or he's not going to have the energy to complete it anymore. And that's when things are going to go wrong for him. So I think if I'm Kelvin. I have to try to get him down early. I have to. Use your energy while you've still got it all early on in that fight and, and try to take some of that away. Try to take some of that confidence away from Adesanya. At the very least, I think if Izzy gets held down for an entire first round, that takes a little bit out of that glimmer that's in his eye about what he can do to Kelvin. Yeah. So that's what I. That's my. that's my thought at least for Kelvin and what his chances are. But if he doesn't do that early – I just don't see it unless he just catches him. Unless he just, you know, unless Izzy's being careless and he just catches him. But that size and reach is a little obnoxious. That's a, that's a big uh, gap for him to try to get into, and I just don't see him being able to do it. Yeah, and Izzy, he's the only one better at managing distance than Izzy is John Jones. Yeah. 
again, someone who has a distinct size and reach advantage over everyone he fights. Yeah. So he knows how to utilize it. They have very similar body types. Uh, obviously different styles, but similar body types, and they can utilize those same advantages. Um, and that's just how I see that one going down, at least. So I, I think that finish can happen and potentially happen early. And by early, I mean second round. I don't see it being a first-round finish. But I feel like Kelvin can get himself in trouble if he doesn't try to get him down early. At least that's my – that's how I would approach it if I'm Kelvin. So we'll see exactly what goes down. We both have Izzy. And we both have Max Holloway in our main and co-main events. Um, now, we were discussing as well when we talked about the lightweight fights because our most recent um, fight from this last ridiculous month involved Justin Gaethje and involved Edson Barbosa. It didn't last that long, but it was exactly, I think, what we all hoped it would be. Yeah. Um, Justin Gaethje gets Some another... Some solid calf exchanged, and then... Another uh, quick first-round knockout yeah. for what might be the most exciting fighter we've ever seen as far as jumping into the UFC and just immediately bursting onto the scene and, and, he and getting done more, what he's promised. He was being more patient, too. I mean, he's had people say that he needs to do thing. that. He basically made the claim that, look, I'm always going to be this guy. Now, he still didn't really use wrestling. Yeah, he didn't need to. True, but which is what people are saying he needs to do to kind of like mix things up so he doesn't get himself so damaged. But maybe that approach as well, just don't rush in. Don't kind of stand there yeah. the whole time and take as many shots while you're throwing them. Like he's willing to eat three to right. give a good one. But when he when he originally tagged Barboza in like a minute into that fight, he was, he was definitely more guarded, more patient than he, he has He knows been how dangerous, this. obviously, Edson Barboza yeah. is. Yeah, but I think I looked at more as a pro- as progress for Gaethje than him sure. fighting for Barboza. Like I think he's being more patient and he's l- he's learning not to just be like a like a hammerhead when they, he just sees that blood and just rushes in. So if you go back two fights before this for Justin Gaethje and where he yeah. was at, because he was that, more patient in the Vic one too, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's, that one's again hard to tell because it happened so quickly Correct. and he just knocked him out. It felt like the first real shot. That went in is what took out Vic. But you look at where Gaethje was going into that fight, right? Before that fight, he had lost to Eddie Alvarez. He had lost to Dustin Poirier. A difficult spot to be in. He was exciting, but people were, look, it was almost justified in what James Vicks was saying before that fight. You're the Homer Simpson of MMA. You're sitting there getting you're getting your ass kicked. Yes, you're winning fights and you're exciting, but you're get, you're damaging yourself far too much in these fights. It felt like it was tough to see if there was ever really going to be a way Gaethje was going to – he was going to be exciting. He was going to be a fan favorite. Everyone was going to love watching him fight, and they're mm-hmm. going to pay for all his fights. He's going to win all of these bonuses every time he's in there. Before this last fight, he had more bonuses than fights yeah. in the UFC. If the if the UFC wants to make some money, just every time Gaethje fights, <laughs> just make it a pay-per-view. So all of that <laughs> was – Everyone's right. going to buy they were None of them were pay-per-views that he's been on so far because he's been the main event he of was all on, of this. Yeah, he was on the 218 when he fought Alvarez. This last time he okay. was on a pay-per-view card. But yeah, but otherwise – He should be headlining pay-per-views. Otherwise he – fuck with right. the title. The man is worth the fucking buy. But at that point in time, we're thinking, man, this guy's exciting. He's going to get – you know, people are going to pay to watch him, all of that. But do you really see him being in the title picture? Two fights later – Two first round KOs later. He's in the title picture. He's in the title picture. Yeah. So this is exciting to say that, you know, obviously Habib is the undisputed champion and the winner of this main event tomorrow night will fight Habib. Will Habib, fight Habib. Yeah. 
But we got to start talking about Justin Gaethje being yeah. in that same center circle. I think if Poirier loses this fight, you could run him and Poirier back. I don't think Dustin would do it, but just because he's already, he already if won. He, and he if he gets decisively. finished by Max Holloway, I feel like he's going to have to. Yeah. I mean, you might as well take another fight that everyone's going to watch. Justin also said he wants to fight the winner of uh, Ray Janelle and Don and Donald Cerrone, oh. which would be a... There are too many damn good lightweights. I don't know what to t- I mean, Raging Al, for what he's done recently, um, and then you throw – I mean, Donald Cerrone, I, I, again, I was I didn't want to doubt him, but, you know, it felt like it was another situation where against Alexander Hernandez, he said again he didn't watch any tape on who he was fighting, and that drives me crazy when Cowboy does that because that's a very dangerous thing to do. Be like, eh. And it's not even with his coaches anymore. He's out training himself at the ranch, so it's like – no one's watching tape on who you're fighting. Yeah, so, it's working for him, though. <laughs> it did it that one. I get it. An inexperienced kid who had a lot of shit talking to do and pissed him off. A lot of shit talking. And, and and Donald made him pay for it. But the point is, that dramatic finish shows that Cerrone's still right there. Ally Aquinta's right there. Uh, now you talk about Justin Gaethje being right there. We have an interim fight with these two being right yeah, in the conversation. Tony. And Habib standing at the top. And Tony Ferguson's yeah. there as well. Lightweight, as much as we talk oh, about a lot the of these other division. ones, this is the best one. It's the best this division is by far. It, it, this is, if you're I, in the top 15 of lightweight, you're pretty much in the top 10 in any other division. In the world. I mean, it's it, it's it's incredible. In the UFC, absolutely. We're talking pound for pound at that point and just yeah. the skill level. I mean, Anthony Pettis is a guy who was the former lightweight champion and has to move up and down and all these other weights just because it, you can't string that many wins together in the lightweight division unless you are one of these guys getting these opportunities now at this yeah. point. But again, someone's got to lose eventually. Yeah. Except for Habib yeah. at this point. Yes, yeah, but he is on top. So yeah, but I mean, even he could lose eventually. He absolutely could. I'm just, I mean, I'm saying the guys yeah, who are fighting is, to get we're here to, to him find out, right? Is is the point, right? Because these guys, no matter how good they are, someone's got to lose on their battle to the top. Yeah, and and that's what's so intriguing is you have guys that are probably worthy champions that yeah, for for Khabib, might not see a title fight for Khabib if if Max and Tony can't get past Khabib, then I don't think anyone will. Out of Okay, I mean that you just basically answered my next question. Yeah. I was going to say, out of all of these lightweight we're talking about, it's Max and Tony, those are the best to to, to try yeah. to get. Gaethje's I mean, going to be a wild card no matter what because he hits so goddamn hard. Look, Gaethje's coming out and saying that he believes absolutely the pace as well. I mean, yeah. we know Habib when you're worried about the takedown can strike. But we know with Habib you. has the gas tank. He has the chin. Absolutely, he has the will. He has the chin. That we've seen at least so far. He's another but I'd guy be you curious can't to see someone that puts on a ferocious pace yeah. as well with their boxing and how Habib handles that, which is what Justin Gaethje he could handled Barbosa pretty well. Very true. And Barbosa, but Barbosa gasses. Right. Uh, I mean, he handled RDA pretty well. But Bar- I guess that was 155 uh, right. RDA. And I, I just, oh, yes. When we were talking about Habib? Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. I don't. Consider I don't know what to think about RDA. RDA is so up and down for me. Um, this Kevin Lee fight will be interesting, I guess. Um, I believe that's at one seventy, right? Kevin Lee's yeah, going 170. up. Yeah, one seventy. So as much as Kevin Lee was again, who was also right in that fifty-five pound discussion until he lost to Ally Quinta for the second time after talking he's as still, much shit as he still, did. He still says he didn't think he lost that fight. Oh my god! I, I recently watched it again. He one thousand percent lost that fight. Yeah, there's no question in my mind. Those last two rounds, he got so pieced up. Yeah, and did mind, nothing. He lost that fight, especially and in the fifth even, round. And in the second round, the one that I believe 
um, he had Al's back at one point. Al still got back up and then pieced him up when they got back up. So it's like you can't even definitively say that one was for him, even though he yeah. had, you know, back control. <coughs> yeah, they're not judging on just takedowns and back takes. I don't. Can't I do mean, at the same the time, take. the judges are the judges, and who knows what the hell they see when yeah. stuff's going on on the ground. Yeah, uh, octagon yeah. control and what they decide deem to be more important than something else. But either way, that just shows you how many good things are going on right now, uh, especially at these divisions. I mean, look, whether Connor, I don't like to bring up Connor McGregor if I can help it, because again, we're talking about lightweights and we didn't even mention him. Yeah. And I like that, to be perfectly honest. I love that. Does this at least further prove that the UFC doesn't necessarily need? Conor McGregor. Uh, I think they're always probably going to need him just because he's going to sell at least a million pay-per-views no matter what, no matter who the fuck he's fighting, whether he's fighting a fucking flyweight at a catchweight fight, <laughs> he's going to sell over a million pay-per-views. Right. So they're always going to need that, especially if they have Can like a slow couple else? of months. But I mean, as but like the fans, the fans are over it. Like the fan, True. The fan, like to me, the fans are over all all this shit. After at what we've seen at this point, let's say Conor bows out and isn't involved in this situation whatever let's say he you know yeah, he maybe goes really to jail a, besides who knows fight, he hasn't been involved the last like two and a half years the, the only times he's been involved in any news has been for legal issues so yep. let's just say legally he can't get himself back in there has habib at least with all the excess that's gone on because before his fights with connor despite what he has done everyone wanted to really question whether he had done enough to prove he was as good as he is whether his padded record quote unquote um, was enough to, to show that he's as good as he claims to be after dismantling Conor McGregor and because of again all of the excess that people were saying oh he tarnished uh, that great victory he probably got more people wanting to pay attention to him at this point yeah a thousand percent if anything how much do you think Habib can sell at this point, despite the fact that like he doesn't next, speak. Like his next pay-per-view? Right. I bet his next pay-per-view breaks a million. So is that Especially not at least... Max? Do you think at least there's some of these other guys? Can a Max Holloway, if he starches or at least has a phenomenal fight with Dustin Poirier and gets a finish at the end of it, can he become that next guy so that we don't not. need Conor McGregor? In the, I don't I, know I why just, he's I not. look at it and I say if... He should be. For someone percent. that... You know, for as much as we watch this sport and pay attention to this sport, I can get away with never seeing Conor McGregor fight again and being perfectly okay with it. Yeah. I understand your point, and I, I think it's certainly valid that the UFC wants to have that one cash cow. But his last win was at UFC 205. That was a long time ago. It was three yeah. years ago. Uh, once uh, when we get by time he next fights, uh, his, by time his next fight happens at this point. And whenever, and if he wins that one, maybe it could be three years in between Conor McGregor victories in the UFC. Yeah, it definitely could be. I mean, uh, and he's still the cash cow. I don't know who he's going to come back to. Yeah, like who's going to come back to fight? But uh, he's basically anyone who wins a fight. He basically tweets at and says, "Oh, yeah, I, so, I would fight you." Yeah, great. It's a lot of great fight. Me- someone there's a lot Pick of great one. memes going around about a fighter winning a fight and then Conor on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> it's not even people calling out Conor anymore. It's like no. Conor. Making claims because he just has to keep himself relevant. Yeah, it's what he wants to do. It's what he likes to do. So I'm not surprised that he does it. No, know? I'm not surprised. It's just like I'm over. It. Like at the end of the day, he's he's winning because we're talking about it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, as much as I wanted to avoid bringing him up, here we are having a conversation yeah. about Conor McGregor. That's why I haven't brought him <laughs> up. <laughs> but I mean, again, I, I couldn't be more excited for where the UFC is at right now. We started this conversation talking about the ESPN Plus card at the beginning of the year. Yes, it's disappointing to see. TJ Dillashaw, you know, get a two-year suspension, but yeah, you know, if the shoe fits and you cheated, 
it is what it is, and you deserve to be punished. But at the same time, at least we can hope that USADA is going in the right direction and will do everything it takes to clean up this sport the best way we can. I just, just to even have the fact that there are tests that you don't always do opens up people's thought that maybe I won't get caught this time. If we can nip some of that in the bud um, and, and really, you know, look at the fights for what they are and know that we're watching a genuine product. You know, it's interesting to go back to when the UFC was purchased. You mentioned the $4 billion a couple years ago, right before UFC 205. People were saying right after that, because they were stacking so many cards and and trying to put so much together and, and make some of that money back, it felt like the UFC's best days were maybe behind it. Now, it feels like we're going in a positive direction. Again. Yeah, definitely. I think that 2018 was kind of like a weird year. It was. It was like a, yeah, it was a weird year. A lot of missed for the weight. UFC. A lot of guys not making it to the fight day. But I think with this ESPN deal, I think it's motivating a lot of guys too. They're like, holy shit! I'm gonna I'm go on fight ESPN. on ESPN because all these kids the big when they were growing up, they were fucking watching ESPN. I mean, look, they're not fighting on Spike TV anymore. Yeah, or free, or Fuel TV or Facebook. <laughs> like they're on <laughs> <Facebook>. fucking ESPN <laughs> or backyard fights. Like the, the real stuff is happening on the big networks now. Now, yeah. It, even so, they're networks, they're gonna move exposure. they're gonna move the pay per views permanently to ESPN Plus. Yeah, they're doing it with this one. This is the f- first one. So here we go. I mean, it's it's an interesting uh, way. People still, I still see fans obnoxiously bitching about. Oh, I have to pay five dollars for ESPN Plus. Blah, blah, it's blah, five blah. bucks, bro. You don't got five, five bucks laying around for a month. First of all, delete your cable. Yeah, and get ESPN Plus. Yeah, I don't have cable. I, had I haven't had cable in three years. I had Sling TV, but that was so I could use Fox Sports. Right. <laughs> so I could watch And now the that UFC. that's gone, you only need ESPN Plus. Yeah, and that was like twenty two ninety five a month or something like so that. So if you're a fight fan. And they have old fights on that's there. That's all you need. They have their own uh, UFC programming on there. Like, yeah, it's I, fucking I have great. both. I have Fight Pass and Plus just because. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it, with it, Fight Pass, you can get Pride, and that's just worth right. the cost and of what and you it's, pay. It's, it's basically complete libraries to a certain extent. There's a few yeah. fights that aren't in there, but for the most part, you're getting it all. So that's why I want it. I understand maybe uh, you don't need that. Yeah, but ESPN all you Plus probably has need other if sports you're too, as well. a casual fan or a little bit more than that, ESPN Plus is all you need. Yeah. So it just feels like this is a good day for the UFC, where it's going, where it's at, what we're getting. Um you know, I mean, you look at what one championship has done. Um, we can talk about that briefly. Um, since we did see a couple of former UFC fighters compete recently, Eddie Alvarez actually lost his fight in the first round. I think it was actually within a minute and a half or so. Uh, with a minute left. In the a minute left in the round. Okay, a minute yeah. left in the round. And then we also got um, Demetrius Johnson. Winner by guillotine in the second. Yep. So he actually, you know, there was a little bit of striking he back and forth where it looked a little Prix. scary. But then he goes and gets... a. a Another, I think it's because he's another fighting a guy that finish. he probably doesn't have any sort of film on. Sure. Like, now he's fighting, like, a whole new crop of guys. Now, what do you make, quickly, we'll wrap things up here, but what do you make about people trying to make the claim, you see Eddie Alvarez lose, and, oh, maybe the best fighters aren't all in the UFC. Well, a thousand percent, not all the best fighters are in the UFC. But it's Look a wide, guys. wide majority. Well, for sure, but there's still going to be those guys like, sure. like a Douglas Lima. Right. Like a Michael Chandler. Or you look at one. You We're naming that. guys in Bellator so far, though. <laughs> well, you look at one. Like that Martin Wynn, their featherweight yeah. champion. Yeah. All that dude does is get knockout wins. I think he's a tw- he just won today by knockout by flying knee. It was incredible. And it does, does it confuse people, though, because those fights aren't happening against people they know? 
So it's like, oh well, how do we know? Like, yeah, but everyone's like, making is, the claim that like, Ben Askren, the, the who UFC came over is here, based in in America. The right. Bellator is based in America. The BFL is based in America. Right. One is based in Singapore. Right. So that's obviously the why there's going to be a big <laughs> name discrepancies. That's why you got hardcore fans like me that know some of the fucking names in yeah. one, and then you know some people wouldn't be able to name a right. single champion over there. It's just, but it, it's it, expanding. They're right. going to bring shows to the West. They have a deal with TNT Turner Sports. So it's coming, and I think the UFC is uh, scared for that, but I think it's healthy. It's healthy for Right. I, I have nothing against it. I guess it's just yeah. frustrating, I guess, when Ben Askren comes over here and everyone says, well, you padded record. Everyone you fought is nobodies. Are they nobodies because you don't pay attention? Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> All right. So nobodies because they don't pay attention. Now we can talk a little bit of matchmaking here briefly as well, and then we will we will finish this podcast here today because I, I literally can't think about anything else than these fights tomorrow. But – we look at a little bit of what's going on here. Ben Askren going to fight Jorge, Jorge Masvidal. Yep. Uh, he was calling out Darren Till, um, but Darren Till getting knocked out by Jorge Masvidal set <sighs> this up. Jesus, what a knockout. <sighs> I mean, both of those knockouts we saw on back-to-back weekends. Wonderboy Thompson getting knocked out by Anthony Pettis as well, which only complicates things more because now where do you go with Anthony Pettis? He wants to fight at 55, was willing to fight at 70, but he wants the big fight back at 55. I don't know yeah. what to say oh, about fuck. all of that. But Ben Askren going to fight Jorge Masvidal. What do you think about that? I think that's a fucking awesome fight. But I think, uh, like, are you asking, like, what my prediction would be? I mean, does it more similar to what we saw? Does he get a scare like he did against Robbie Lawler? I think he probably or gets do hit we with see? the three-piece I mean, ben, sure. Afflin, ben Askren is talking a lot of shit to everybody. Yeah. But and I think his is do you like, think he has to dominate anyone to get the respect of the UFC fans? I think that, be- that aren't already because there's a lot of people who are all aboard the funky train, right? I and think there's it, plenty of people who aren't. I think because the Lawler stoppage had so much controversy yeah. around it, he's got to go out there and really put it on Jorge Masvidal. Speaking of which, uh, Herb Dean was on JRE, and I need to go watch this uh, explanation. He did talk about that a couple of days yeah, ago, so I, I listened I, to it. I can't wait to go hear that, but. It's just interesting. I mean, again, we talk about someone who came over from one championship and is now in the UFC. I think everything he's doing is fantastic. I think, that, again, that's another great thing for the UFC is another big personality just walked in the door, and him winning is a good thing for them because, again, love him or hate him, that guy's interesting. Yeah, 100%. And he doesn't have any striking. Yeah. And, and he's, he's still very, very and interesting. he talks like he's a 1980s WWE wrestler. <laughs> I love everything about him. Yeah, I love it too. Now – I guess briefly, Colby, Usman. I mean, these are two wrestlers. I did not see Kamaru Usman doing what he did uh, to the former champion. Um, that that we, was so crazy. We were essentially. I was in the I was middle. Blown away. I was nonstop saying that day that I thought Tyron Woodley might be proving soon to be at least the second best welterweight of all time and put himself in that conversation. Yeah. With George St. Pierre. He um, lost every round against Kamara Usman. Decisively. I think there were like two 10-8s. Does Colby have a shot against Kamara Usman? Not after that performance like that. I mean, they're both wrestlers. They both love to push the pace. So, I mean, how much of that wrestling do they negate with I each other? I think they're just going to stand and bang. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be a lot I mean, of what Colby does, but Colby's not a great puncher. What no. Colby does great is put on pressure and wrestle. Yeah. So if he can't get Kamar Usman to the ground, he doesn't have a night. shot. It's going to be a long night. <laughs> so I don't think Kamara's going to go for a submission. We all wanted – for Yeah, him. and look, he said this one matters to him in the fact that he yeah. doesn't usually get he mad at his opponent. emotional, yeah. And he said, this guy, I want to hurt this guy. Yeah, he was like yelling at his wife and his mom during the fight. So <laughs> – 
Colby is. We all wanted to get Tyron Woodley beating the shit out of Colby Covington. We don't get that, so maybe maybe we get it from Marty. Maybe, hopefully. <laughs> I guess we'll have to wait and see. But we did. Uh, we, we went through these cards. We talked about it all. We both expect Israel Adesanya to come out of this as the interim champion. We both expect Max Holloway to come out of this as the interim champion. We'll have to wait until tomorrow, and maybe uh, a little bit after this we can discuss it all and, and keep going from here because, look, there's more fights for the next, what, month and a half that are already scheduled that are almost good, every weekend good time for another month. of the UFC. Absolutely. So... Um, you know, for Sam Easter, I'm Joaquin Rivera. We're just going to wrap this thing up. We are stepping off the scale. This was episode 32 of, um, of the weigh-ins. So thank you for joining us and please enjoy those fights. Have a good night, guys.